Aloha. Good morning. Welcome to American Issues Take One. I'm Tim Apicelli, your host, and today's title is Out of Control Immigration, Title 42 Expires. So today, Title 42 expires. What does that mean for the country? What is Title 42? Title 42 was a law that uh, basically temporarily banned any immigrant from coming to the United States that was seeking uh, legal asylum. And they were prevented from doing so. That, that, now that law expires today. With me today, I have our esteemed special guest and uh, ThinkTech host, Chuck Crumpton. And as always, CEO of ThinkTech Hawaii and my co-host, Jay Fidel. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Uh, Chuck, to you, uh, we're going to have the government estimates, uh, Homeland Security estimates, that 150,000 migrants may cross the border in the next few days as a result of Title 42 uh, expiration. Uh, that's, a, that's the size of a small city in the United States. Um, how is the United States uh, government going to handle this? How is the Biden administration, how is Homeland Security going to address this issue? It's a great question. One of the reasons it's a great question is because we've had essentially no substantive immigration reform since 1986. We have an immigration system that is not only unresponsive to labor market needs, economy needs, and essential services that the immigrant population has always provided but is directly opposed to those, particularly during the Trump years. We've got it completely vast backwards. And at 10,000 a day, remember that during the pandemic, we generated over 500,000 job openings, but only about 200,000 job filling. We're short. We could take that 150 and another 150 if we had set up a correctly tailored and customized immigration system that was engineered to understand, adapt to, and meet labor market supply needs. That's a good point because, you know, I recall the 1987 um, immigration reform under the Reagan administration. And what I recall most about it was that there was a blanket amnesty for those who were at that time in the country without documentation. But also I remember there were stiff penalties for employers if they hired uh, those without proper documentation and um, didn't have the authorization to work in the United States. Uh, so it seems to me that the immigration failed primarily because there was lack of oversight on um, the employer side of the equation. Well, you can say that, but why would government with all of its resources put all of the load on determining immigration status documentation and legal status for every immigrant in the country that seeks work or at least on the employer that's supposed to verify it before they're employed well the answer is because the government doesn't know who's here the government has never known who's here you know, here we have uh, Silicon Valley, we have all the tech companies around the country um, that, you know, make tons and oodles of money. 
who could create data systems for the benefit of the government, so the government would know who's entering and who's leaving. How hard is that? That is so easy, but we have never done it, and we don't know now. We Why do you think that is, Jay? Incompetence and failure to follow through and failure of congressional policy and failure what? of executive policy. You know, what Chuck says is so easy to do, but you really can't have the government doing mm, the vetting and, and the data gathering uh, without the technology. We don't have the technology. I'm sorry. That's why hundreds, thousands of kids were separated from their parents and the government, namely Trump, did not know where those kids were. They never kept records. They did not have a data system. Well, l let me suggest an alternative idea to this, and that is maybe it's done on purpose. Maybe employers like hire hiring those that aren't legally allowed to work and they can pay them less and treat them poorly. Uh, maybe they don't want to track because they get away with it. And the, and the employers that in these certain fields like agriculture, um, they have their PACs, their political action campaigns. And <clears throat> uh, it seems to me that since 1987, um, they've won the day as far as making sure that no one knows who's entering the country and, and or working for them. Your thoughts? Well, they would benefit. Those those uh, companies would benefit if there was a, a national employment connection system. We just we don't know how to get there. The government doesn't know how to. They do have business. a system. It's called E-Verify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The system's in place. Can I say? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. You may, and you did. Okay. So let me go to you with the same question. We got a wave of of, of migrants coming into the country. In the next couple of days, there's estimations of above 150,000. There's a projection of 10,000 per day thereafter. Uh, if you're the Biden administration, what do you do? Well, you know, it's very, very interesting. And I, I, my head is swimming with it. So <clears throat> ostensibly, you take, uh, a, what is it, a, a 1,500 regular military army people, presumably with guns, and and maybe bayonets too, you know bayonets. Uh, <laughs> I think I know where this is going. You no, know, no, no. Bayonets were actually in use in the South, you know, during the stress times uh, around the uh, the killing of Martin Luther King. You know, they actually fixed bayonets. The National Guard did bayonets. What are these fifteen hundred troops are going to do? Are they going to shoot them? Are they going to shoot the immigrants? Are they going to give them the elbow? Are they going to push them? They're going to have, what are they going to do? They're going to build fences like in front of the Capitol? Um, I can't imagine what they're going to do. That is not a solution. It may be a provocation, but it is not a solution. And, and the point you made before the show, Tim, I think it's worthy of mention here. Um, you know, Trump is running for office. And if you believe, uh, what's her name, Heather Cox Richardson, um, he has made the most outrageous comments to his base. His comments to his base now are worse than ever. He really, he really sounds like a complete over-the-top autocrat right now, what he's saying. The press doesn't re report it so much because it's so over-the-top. But he, according to her, anyway, um, he makes these outrageous statements. So suppose we have, say, 11,000 immigrants cross the border, which, you know, it seems inevitable because nobody can stop them um, at El Paso and other places. Um, and they're in the country. They're in the country. And Trump gets up and he wants to make, hey, this is a great political opportunity 
So he says, Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and all you guys, you all you Second Amendment guys, this falls on you. You got to find them. You got to do something about them. Before you know it, we have pandemonium chaos and violence um, with this self-appointed, um, you know, uh, army of irregulars. Well, didn't we just have that with Garcia in the shopping center in Texas? Right. You know, we're, you know working for the uh, Trump messaging and working against immigrants wherever they may be found. So, uh, you know, you, you, you want to you see citizen action vigilanteism? I think we may have it. Trump is saving this up his sleeve. But if, if he, in a few days' time, makes some kind of bizarre statement about this, when there are tens of thousands of immigrants swarming over the South and the Southwest, um, you know, what exactly is going to happen? What, are his, what is his base going to do? It, it's pretty scary, even as a, a concept, much less a reality. So yeah. I, I don't think there's a solution yet. I don't think that Joe Biden has figured it out. I'm sorry to say I want him to figure it out. Um, but right now, it's an open, may I say, an open door. All right. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Chuck, you know, back in 1980, um, Fidel Castro cleaned out all his jails, put them on, a, uh, on various boats and sent them to Florida, the Mario boat lift. Uh, that stain of a wave of crime increase uh, never left the, the, the administration. Uh, they were stuck with it. Um, basically, the administration fell for it. They thought they were bringing out uh, you know, Cubans that had been, you know, denied ex exit from the country. And it was, I remember it, it was, it was hailed as a victory to have all the, uh, the boats come into uh, the harbors in Florida. How are the, how is the GOP going to use this expiration of Title 42 against the Democrats and comparing it to something like the Mario boat lift of uh, 1980? Or will they? Same way they use everything. Yeah, they're good at it. Three basic principles. One, you don't care whether what you say bears any relation to the truth or not. Good point. In fact, the less it has, the less they can document. Second, you don't care where it came from. You don't care what the source was, no matter how impeachable it may be. Not to refer to Trump by name. P.S. George Santos pleaded not guilty. He pleaded not guilty today or yesterday. And, and so, you know, what, what, what does that do with the truth? And he says he's not resigning from Congress. That is so bizarre and nutcakes. But, but that's kind of my mindset you're talking about, Chuck. Well, unfortunately for the Republicans, and point three is, if there is a political benefit, no matter how short-term, no matter how falsification-based it is, no matter how unreliable the source may be, they will use it and exploit it. <laughs> Santos is a vote. They can't afford any vote. Right. They okay, well, let me go further votes. down the rabbit hole on this issue. Uh, to what degree will the GOP be successful of blaming the Biden administration of out-of-control waves of, of migrants coming into the country and uh, disappearing? Uh, President Biden just is typing up a policy right now releasing those who have been um, not in detention, but uh, have been basically parked in the United States. Uh, they've now been released with this no court date in sight and um, no tracking uh, available. 
basically, they're on the honor system. They're on a parole system to show up for their a date which they haven't been informed of. I mean, this is nuts. How 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 is that going to be used against the Democrats, or will it? This is going to be another Afghanistan. It's going to be a, That's my a, point. a, a human you. rights problem, and a lot of people will suffer, including them and us. So, you know, what, what Joe Biden should be doing, I hope he's, Joe, are you listening, Joe? <clears throat> he should be calling Google. He should be calling Larry Ellison. He should be developing a database system immediately. So, sure, okay, if they have to come in, they have to, you know, swamp over the barricades, that's, that's okay, as long as we know who they are. We have some control over it, and who's in the country, who's not in the country. That would really help, and that would help do what Chuck is suggesting is do a, a national employment exchange, too. Um, but we don't have that, and he hasn't made that call, and there is no database. May I? I'm I just repeating myself here. Yeah. That's all right, Jay, because it, they're all good points that Chuck has made. Uh, Chuck, you would like to discuss a little bit further your employment exchange program concept? Well, I think the challenge is we got to step back and see how might we get there? Because if you politicize immigration, despite its obvious direct and extreme relationship to labor market supply, to supply chain issues, to the strength of our economy, and that there is data for that. That can be demonstrated. There's a re recent Brookings Institute report, March 23rd of this year, that does a pretty good job of walking through all that and laying out how you could set up an employment-related channeling system. But Jay is right. There would need to be data, but we have that capability. Well, okay, so if 90% of those wishing to seek legal asylum if 90 to 90, what, or 2% or whatever, if those are usually denied and not approved because there's not a basis or ground for legal asylum, um, that's a lot of people. And it seems to me that um, the Biden administration is not dealing with the, uh, the review and, and decision-making process from judges to uh, go through that 90%. Well, you know, uh, so one, then, one thing that came up, Tim, is that, you know, and this may not be at the top of the, the articles that have been written about it, but he has created something called uh, expedited um, expedited departure or something like that. It's, um, it's it, if you come in um, without the benefit of mm, Title 42 and without the benefit of a valid application for a uh, sanctuary um, and, 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 and you violate the law and, and you're thrown out, okay, you can't make application again for five years. Correct. So you're thrown out on an expedited basis and you're finished for five years. It's a long time when you're suffering in, in, in El Salvador. Um, so um, that's about it. That's the sanction. That's not much of a sanction when you consider that this is largely physical. Well, I mean, if he has an expedited system in place, I mean, I'm scratching my head over why 11,000 Asylum seekers were just released without a court date in the future, nor any means of tracking uh, those those individuals. Well, keep scratching. Good answer. Good answer. All right. Um, so, Jay, I, to you, I, I mean, I asked Chuck whether he thought the Biden administration is going to take a hit on this. 
And certainly um, favorability ratings are, are right now in the news all the time. And President oh, Biden. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it is it is Afghanistan, as I said, again, and these people are going to come ashore and they're going to be all over the country. There's going to be, uh, you know, human rights issues, humanitarian issues, hither and yon with children and people suffering and starving or getting into violence, you know, with the right wing Second Amendment guys. Um, and this, the press is going to cover this like a blanket, and it's going to be sad. It's going to be uh, awful, and and he is going to take the heat for this. I'm sorry to say. Well, when's the last time you remember the government the government admitting they're helpless about it? Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the uh, Homeland Security Secretary, has said it. President Biden has basically said it is that the waves will be beyond their capability of controlling, and it's going to happen. When's the last time you've heard an administration admit that we can't do anything about something? Well, they uh, other than gun, done. Other than gun regulation. It's been a couple of years since the uh, inauguration. He's had, you know, the presidential powers since then, and he really hasn't done very much. Well, wait a minute. I, I believe Vice President Harris was in charge of the, the border issue controls. Yes. Okay. That was her project. What happened there? So I you know, all, all I'm saying is that you that uh, what's his name Mayorkas can he can try to blame it on Trump and the Trump administration, but that rings hollow because of the time that has gone by since the Trump administration. Um, now you could you also blame it on the Congress for failing to reform immigration. I'm not sure what reform would have stopped this because this is a growing problem through the whole hemisphere. And there's not too much, you know, we can do in the short term. I mean, if you look back from uh, the Monroe Doctrine in 1828, wasn't it, Chuck, 1828? You know, we we could have done a better job on the Monroe Doctrine. And we could have done a better job on on relating to the, you know, the the leaders, the the turnstile leaders all across uh, Latin America. But we haven't. In fact, we've exacerbated that. And, And here now we have the result of failed countries and failed governments all over Latin America. And what's the natural process? They want to come to the land of the free and the home of the brave. And they try to cross the border. They've been doing it for years, years, decades, more. Um, so, you know, there's no surprise here. The problem is that is that Biden cannot defer blame because he's been in the chair now for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He could have done stuff, whatever he could have done. He hadn't done anything, really. And now it's, it's going to be a frontline um, news item for weeks and months. Chuck, do you agree with uh, what Jay just mentioned? Well, I want to get back to answering your question because the response to your question actually came from Jay about this being another Afghanistan. I think we need to remember several things. There seem to be three major groups of people, including voters in this country. One, believe everything that the MAGA Republicans say. Another group believes nothing they say, and most of what the Democrats say. And then there's a third group, which may be increasing in size, which doesn't believe anything any of them are saying. That's going to be the group that in 2024, if they vote, may make a difference. Well, I mean, if if Jay's right and the the media picks up on this flood of um, humanity, coming into the United States, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a GOP or a Democrat, you don't like it. 
Um, seems to me that the president's one of his basic responsibilities is to see who and who doesn't come into this country. Uh, Jay, in a previous show, you mentioned the rule of law. Um, how's that going? How's that going for us when it comes to immigration and the fact that it's not being enforced? So the question I think I ask is, to what degree, how many points will it be that Joe's favorability ratings will take a hit on this? And I, I guess we won't know because the polls aren't been done yet. And we won't know because some of us here don't believe in polls or, you know, so they, they are suspect, which is true. But uh, at some point, the rubber is going to hit the road on this issue and it's going to result in favorability of the president of the United States. Well, the other thing that's happening simultaneously is the debt ceiling. Simultaneous now. All within the, you know, the next two, three weeks. But, but wow, we have a lot of material to cover in these shows, honestly, because the debt ceiling, um, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy is, is really going to try to make Biden look like a fool. He's going he's gonna to try to, you know, harden up his position and Biden's position and, and query what's going to happen. I don't think that Biden's argument under the 14th Amendment is going to go very far. Um, you know, Larry Tribe says it's the absolute truth that's, you know, that Biden has the power to, uh, to respect um, you know, national debt. But I, I don't think that's going to work. Uh, I think the Republicans are going to attack him left and right um, for failing to negotiate a, a solution. That's what it will be. And uh, Biden, you know, for my money, Biden should stand fast, but I'm not sure that he will. And so we're going to have um, a really bad time over that. And, 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 and McCarthy's only, only motivation, only purpose here is to make um, McCarthy wants to make Biden look bad. So that, on top of this affair at the border, you get a double whammy all in the next few weeks when Joe Biden's um, you know, favorability ratings are, what, 40 percent, 41 percent, not so good. Um, so I, I don't know if he's going in the right direction. We could all be surprised. Maybe somehow the Republicans will do something awful and, you know, and lose and lose traction or Trump will do something awful and lose traction. Uh, but right now he's going in the wrong direction and he's facing these two huge simultaneous challenges. Chuck, <laughs> your, your viewpoint of the Biden administration at this point and where they're headed either on this issue or, or the, debts, the debt ceiling. Um, I mean, it doesn't look good for them. But uh, what's, what's your thought process on that? Well, look, if they would go back to the reliably scientifically established data and information bases, they could start connecting these issues. They could demonstrate beyond dispute that the Republican policies have, for the last 40 plus years, been essentially destroying not only the economy, but anything approaching a, a democratic economy or political system in this country. They could show that in immigration, they can show that in housing, they can show that in policies on the economy and the debt ceiling. They're not using their best information sources, which are the ones that the Republicans really only have lying about as a countermeasure to, but they don't have refutational data for it. Mm -hmm. They're missing their window. So in that sense, I'm I just wondering what, 
what Joe Biden's going to say when after five days of constant media reporting and the visuals of people swamping the, um, you know, the border checkpoints, what he's going to say. And, you know, I don't know if he tries to remind people that um, during the Trump administration, they were very, very close to immigration reform. You had the gang of, I don't remember, it was four or six. You had Lindsey Graham, John McCain. You had a, a deal hammered out. And yet at the last minute, uh, Miller persuades Trump to uh, veto and kibosh the whole thing, which he did do. So I don't know if that's going to help or not. But um, if you're Joe Biden, what are you going to say? What are you going to say other than, you know, I'm looking for data points. Uh, the Americans are, at this point don't care about data points when they're seeing the visuals of a, a tidal wave of humanity coming in. Well, but, I mean, isn't it evident you can do several things with immigrants? You can attempt to establish a tracking and data system, which we've been doing for the last 37 years since the 86 reforms. and even Unsuccessfully. Completely unsuccessful. It doesn't work. You can start connecting those dots to the places in the economy where the need is great the unfilled labor market sector. Mm -hmm. And you can start turning that disaster into an opportunity. And you can lobby the people it's going to most benefit, the companies that can get that mm -hmm. labor market supply at very inexpensive. Well, they may get them anyway, Chuck. They are getting them anyway. You know, the whole affair about you have to present, uh, you know, papers to get a job and any number of industries, and if you don't, the immigration service will come one afternoon and take all your people away. You know, when's the last time we heard of that kind of raid? It hasn't happened. It's been abandoned. And so, you know, there's a serious problem. You know, this raises the question, guys, of something that I guess it came up during the Trump administration, of a national, and before, for that matter, a national identity card. A national identity card. Mm. Somewhere you say you're, you know, you're a citizen, you're not a citizen, you're a permanent resident, whether you are, and, or you're a, a guy who, you know, got over the border, period. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to call it unlawfully, but got over the border. And if you don't have a card at all, then it's presumed you are unlawful. But if everybody had a card, you know, then there could be control here. Did the ACLU take issue to that? Oh, absolutely. And a lot of people would take issue because it's a, huge invasion of privacy. But in the year 2023 and worse, 2024, where, you know, things are upside down in this country, did I say that right? Upside down? And lies are truth, and truth is lies, that sort of thing. Is that a, what, Brave New World or uh, one of those books? Um, the, the, the fact is... Animal Farm, I don't know. Animal Farm. We, we, need, we need to have systems that overcome these problems and we don't have systems and the problems are overcoming us. So we, we, we have to compromise on some of these longstanding issues about privacy and constitutional, implied constitutional rights. I, I sound like Clarence uh, Thomas right now, but uh, I, I really think that we have to do some, some serious things in order to you know, get control. You know, you title the show, we've lost control of immigration. No question about that. Um, and, the, and the question is, what do we do to get back in control, especially in a world where everybody wants to come in? What do we do? 
All right, Chuck, 2023, Jay raises an excellent point. It's 2023. It's not 1953. Do you think Americans would be uh, willing to sacrifice some privacy issues, which we do every day on social media? Uh, do you think they'd be willing to sacrifice a little privacy for a national ID card? Well, I still think the real point is how you're going to address and respond to immigration. If you're going to recognize its natural and critical connection to employment channeling and placement and monitoring, you can prove really good beneficial results for both immigration and the economy. And you can get the cooperation of those who are served by it, not only employers, but communities. If you don't do that, we're stuck where we are. All right. I think I'm going to ask for uh, to go around the short little table we have today and uh, your final thoughts on, on the matter. Jay, with you. Well, oh, my gosh. You know, I, I wish Joe Biden had done better over the past couple of years and various things. And I wish he can find a solution here. But um, 1,500 um, Army regular army at the border doesn't stand like a solution at all. And I, I'm very worried that this may turn into uh, a horrendous uh, human humanitarian issue and an economic issue and a security issue and all that. And the Republicans and Trump um, will, will do really terrible draconian things about it and further undermine Biden's electability. So I think we, you know, have I said this before, Tim, Chuck, we're at a turning point? <laughs> Only about a thousand. Only about every show. <laughs> but it's clear to me between, you know, that and, um, and, the, uh, and the debt ceiling, we are at a turning point again. And I, I don't have a high level of confidence that he or we will be able to resolve these things in time. And so you get a gradual degradation of the confidence of the people in the government, I'm sorry to say. And, and of course, democracy is built on the confidence of the people. So I hope things improve, maybe next week. Maybe next week. Hope springs eternal, Jay. Uh, Chuck, you get the last word. Go ahead. Well, Jay hit it on the head again. You've got one political group whose dominant faction is intent on causing as much short-term destruction to the economy, to human rights, to anything they can, voting rights, anything and everything, because they believe that that will redound to their political benefit. But you've got another political group that still hasn't figured out. Go back to the drawing board, see where the truth connection, the data connection, the scientific connection is between the issues and the solutions and put them together, offer a real choice. All right. I want to add a point, Tim. Of course. You know, a few days ago, we saw that the federal government um, declared that, that COVID was not an emergency anymore. And, um, you know, that troubled me at the time, uh, just as Rochelle Walensky, her um, departure from CDC troubled me, and she seemed to link it to the state of non-emergency over COVID. But remember that Title 42 is based on COVID, okay? And there's a relationship, at least a, a correlation, between the termination 
of the state of emergency over COVID and the termination of Title 42. They're related. One, one connects with the other. And I, I would only ask a rhetorical question here at the end of the show and say, is the state of emergency over COVID really over? Um, thousands of people are getting the disease every day and hundreds are dying, if not thousands, are dying every day. So for the CDC and the United States government to say, okay, it's, bi it's binary. We either have the emergency or don't, and now we don't. This is a big question. Is that a legitimate, defensible, correct decision? I'm not sure. All right. Thank you, Jay. I want to thank our audience for listening in and entertaining the idea of uh, immigration out of control, but it is. And why don't you join us next week at the same time for American Issues Take One. I'm Tim Apicelli, your host, and I would like to thank very much our special esteemed guest, Chuck Crumpton, and my co-host, Jay Fidel. And until then, next week, aloha. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.